All right, welcome back to another episode of Coast to Coast. I am Ronan Gain. Joining me as always is Chris Nambu. Thank you all so much for making Coast to Coast your first podcast. Remember to like, subscribe, and follow wherever you are getting your podcasts. And to start it off, Chris, how you doing? You know, I'm I'm great. First of all, if, if anyone's watching, um, I, I have to say this is not my choice. I was not going for the the Mike Ditka look. I had to get fit tested. So for when it comes at me from a mustache, you know, I don't know if it's in. The 80s are kind of back-ish a little bit, but um, I'm feeling a little naked here. But I'm I'm feeling great, man. Um, Boston is definitely reeling. Being here, just feeling the pulse. It just feels like disgusted. Unfortunately, that that feels the, the general consensus. I, I have the the honor to to be in the awe of Boston sports and always see like how excited everyone gets, how cocky everyone gets every year when when every sports team is winning a championship somewhere, somehow, some way. And this this city, I mean, they expect it. They expect greatness. And this has been a tough couple months for Boston in particular. It's first sports city ever to have two home team lose in game seven. So they got the Bruins losing in game seven. And then they had Boston now losing game seven. And Ronan, you take it away. Like what what is what's your first reaction here as as we're entering a couple days following that collapse? We've heard, heard all the pundits talk about it. We've seen all these fake trades. We've heard all the Jalen Brown stuff that we can. Like where do we even start? We'll get to that in a minute. Before we get into that, I will just mention that a couple of couple of uh, movements have happened in the coaching market. We've seen a lot of oh, firings yeah. <laughs> in the in the uh, yes. in the uh, in the off season, yes. and Philly have made a quick move. They've appeared to have agreed a deal with Nick Nurse. Adrian Wojnarowski reporting that. What What do you think? What do you think on that move? I, I I like that move. I think Philly have been aggressive, and they went out and got one of the top available coaches out there. In I I think that uh, I think that first of all, it, it's funny that these hirings are being made now and there's such, I mean, it's a big deal, very big deal um, for Doc Rivers to be moving on. And it's kind of a perfect time for, for that to happen in terms of the news cycle. Cause no one's talking about it. Everyone's just talking about how the, the Celtics lost game seven. And in terms of what Nick nurse is going to bring to the table, I, I, I love him as a coach. We've seen, you know, we, we obviously saw him in a success with, with the Raptors um, bringing them a championship and what he did with that young group as well. Um, I, I do wonder how much buy-in you're going to get from Harden and Embiid. I, I, I believe that, you know, Harden and Maury are connected and that they are going to make decisions that align with each other and Maury's not going to necessarily do something that, you know, is not signed off. But in, in terms of nurse's coaching style in terms of his demands he makes of his players in terms of how he communicates with these players it, it always has felt like um he's been a type of coach that you know really pushes his guys and really um gets in on them and from what people have said there's a lot of a lot of complexities that go into the kind of sets he wants to run and what he the communication he has on defense so it's it's not it's not necessarily the most seamless fit in the world, but I think he's an incredibly talented coach, and I think they need to switch things up. And I think that's what we've been asking for. We've been asking for a coach who's willing to think outside the box with the talent they have. So at the end of the day, I mean, that's got to be that's got to be a great move for them. 
Yeah, I think I'm excited for it. I think uh, Tyrese Maxey is going to be an interesting watch uh, here and see mm. the, what way he grows under under a coach like uh, like Nick Nurse. And another move, not not done yet, but the the Pistons are reported to be very aggressively trying to approach Mont- Monty Williams and reportedly going to offer him a ten million per year deal wow. to come down to Detroit. That's that's a that's a we we want you and we don't want anyone else to have you kind of move from Detroit there. Yeah, seriously. I mean, you have to think about um, if you're making that higher right now, you have to understand that it's the reality that the Celtics are going to be thinking about their next coach. And I don't see any reason why Monty wouldn't be at the top of that list if they're looking for someone with championship experience, someone who's clearly managed egos and just been overall a, a solid leader in the locker room and Detroit, if they can pull this off, I mean, that's no better person you can imagine in terms of a guy who can cultivate culture, a guy who can really demand greatness out of his players without, you know, bringing them down. It seems like everyone who has encountered him on and off the court has had amazing things to say. And it seems like they've, they've really prioritized putting together a good culture there. I mean, not, not that Sadiq Bey was like necessarily a, not a, a culture guy or a good guy there, but he wasn't fully bought in. And although he's a talented player, they didn't want someone who wasn't fully bought in. So they, they moved on. And I mean, just, just on the player level, they, they want guys who are going to, who are going to really buy into the future there. And I think having him at the helm with Cade um, and with the rest of their guys there, that's going to be fantastic if that works out. Yeah, that that's gonna be an interesting one. It'll be interesting to see what the reaction would be from from Monty Williams and uh, and and his group. It'd be interesting to see if he if he wants to go to a project like that or wants another shot at a team that's ready to uh, ready to compete right here now. But uh, let let's get into the big the big talking points. The Celtics. There's a lot of question marks now that they have they have gone out. They kept on hanging on in, and it was it was kind of my my instant reaction. It was kind of like. They they kind of went down like a like a vet team like an older veteran team like they they surprised they struggled a little bit against that Atlanta Hawk team I think a lot of people expected them to easily sweep by then they go up against Philly and they were right up against it eventually get by them in seven just by having that little bit more nous that little their star performer just stepping up that little bit more and then they go and face the Miami Heat. And they're down 3-0 and they're able to fight back, but they eventually just don't have enough in the in the crunch game and, and get, get cleaned out. But obviously that's not the case with this team. Yeah, they got a couple of vets, but for the most part, this is still a very young, young, vibrant team. But it, it was just a it was a really weird postseason for the Boston Celtics. It it like it only died right at the last second because it, it was game seven of the conference finals. Like they could have Jason Tatum doesn't roll his ankle. Maybe, maybe we're talking about them playing against the Denver Nuggets. But it was a, it was a very strange postseason, and I, I'd be inclined to say it's the time to really not overreact. But I also think there's aspects there where you're thinking we've seen enough from this team to know that there's maybe a big decision to be made with both the coaching and the roster. Yeah, and, and I think it's um, – I'm glad we finally gotten away from the Tatum is 18 joke. Um, it's still mm-hmm. funny, but the young thing needs to be qualified here because Marcus Smart's been on the Celtics for almost a decade. Jalen Brown's been there for seven, coming on seven years now. Jason Tatum, six years. Al Horford's 
like he's on the wrong side of 30. Was he going to be 37 next year? Um, older than that, man. So, I mean, in terms of, and in terms of their, their core, um, it's not, it's not a team that is necessarily just starting out. So I, I think it's worth, we're, we're beyond the point now where it's like, just give them time. We're at the point now where evaluation and action upon that evaluation has to take place. Because I think we, what, what can we see as common themes? So I don't think it's an overreaction to say that Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, and I'm sure if you follow basketball, like that this is not a, a nuanced or new take, but that those two guys are not elite playmakers off the dribble. When it comes to the playoffs, when it comes to the regular season, fantastic. It does a lot of things. But when I say elite in the playoffs, I mean, I'm, I'm talking the guys are going to take you all the way that you put the ball in their hands every single play, and they are going to take care of the ball. They're going to find the best shot, and they're going to do great things every night in and night out the, the, with consistency. And I'm just saying that from a, a playmaking perspective, and that's something that they've shown they can't do. And I, and I say they, and I'm talking 80%. Jalen Brown. I mean, J- Jason Tatum, you, I mean, you look at the numbers and the numbers are, are fine, not terrible, but Jalen Brown clearly has demonstrated that he's a fantastic off-ball scorer, great slasher. You know, he's great attacking the closeout and you, he can get really hot from three and he can attack in the mid-range and three-level score. I mean, the guy's fantastic as a scorer, but this is not, this is not new. This isn't like, this is not the time where you say, oh, he's young, he's going to figure out how to how to manage that. I, I just think that is not his game. And that I think that's a fair thing to say at this point. So I think if we can get all that out of the way, get, get away from this youth conversation, get away from an overreaction to something that's honestly just, I mean, fact at this point, it's not just one game. It's been three years now of seeing this. So what do we do with that information on the cusp of him being a supermax eligible free agent on the cusp of a new CBA that's going to really lock down on teams having multiple supermax players. These are real, real things to discuss now. This isn't a kick it down the road. This is a right, pretty much right now type deal. So, I mean, w- with all that considered, I mean, is this really just, let's just try to get next year, resign them. When you're older, we're still relatively young. That's a safe option, but is that the right option? I want to say yes. I want I want to say you think how the impact the injuries might have had, the impact possibly the the change in coaching had. But I I think it's time probably to to really strongly consider breaking up this duo of, of Tatum and Brown. Like I I something in my head is always like the idea that there's always the guy everyone knows on every team. There's always that guy. Like we know with the Miami Heat, Jimmy Butler's that guy. Other guys are gonna step up, but Jimmy Butler's that guy with the Nuggets. Yeah, Jamal Murray's been unbelievable, really, really impressive. But Nikola Jokic is is that guy. With the Boston Celtics, it's very clear. I think from their point of view and from the way they're covered in the media that. Jason Tatum is that guy. And you could argue the, the, the stat, stats-wise, he shows it as well. Jalen Brown is clearly kind of wanting to get more credit. He's get, I think he gets a bit frustrated when uh, Tatum is talked about in, in a more glowing light than he is. But at the end of the day, he he delivers more. He, he, he steps up more. He has those bigger moments. 
the coach, yeah, could argue trust him that that little bit more. Not that Jalen Brown doesn't get equal opportunity. And I think it's just time that they really just go all in on Tatum and find the best route around him outside of a guy like Jalen Brown to really drive this Celtics team towards success. And it's the perfect time because there's no more just seeing how it goes with this. You're making a massive commitment. I think that if if they give uh, Brown the Supermax, they're committing nearly, I think, over $600 million to to Tatum and Brown. Something like, like that. That's that is yeah. insane amount of money for a duo we've seen together, and we've seen enough to say that maybe they're going to be good, but just not good enough when it comes to comes to titles. Yeah, and it's such a complex conversation to talk about supermaxes because this isn't the fault of the players, this isn't the fault of the teams, this isn't the fault of the collective bargaining agreement that they came up with, and this is to keep players around so that teams like the Lakers don't just scoop everybody up and it has its repercussions and it's going to have further repercussions in this new CBA where there's going to be more restrictions on the kind of contracts you can send out to role players. I mean, that's essentially what it comes down to when you have two supermax guys, it's going to just be playing out more difficult to build out your team. You're, you're choosing a path of two big mega stars as opposed to a more balanced team. And that's a decision that teams can't make lightly now. And the Celtics could be the first example of a team that did not take that lightly and are kind of trapped. And I think the important thing is if you're going to be quote unquote trapped and having two supermax players, I, I don't think there's necessarily anything wrong with that. And I, I don't think that, um, you know, narrative wise, I, I think it's important to consider like who is the guy for sure um, in terms of identity of the team and you know style of the team as well. Um, I think toggling between Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum was a lot of the same. And that can be devastating for a team that has no answer for that. And if you have if you have a team that has no answer for that, for that uh three-level scoring threat on both wings like that, that's tough. And all regular season long, it was difficult for every team in the league. That's why the Celtics were one of the best regular season teams in the league. Um, but it's also why they were at times wildly inconsistent and just showed flashes of just confusingly bad basketball. And I think it's it's hard, it's hard to parse out what aspects of that are due to the one-dimensional mindset of their coaching system versus the, you know, the roster construction with them, you know, lacking a, like, like I said, I would said this already, so this isn't new, but they lack a lead playmaker. They lack a true point guard. They haven't had one in a while. And if you're going to have two supermax guys, I mean, I would ideally envision a point guard alongside Jason Tatum. I mean, Jason Tatum, a guy who could do a lot off the ball, a guy who can definitely be a elite and is an elite secondary playmaker, but is not going to handle, you know, the kind of defense that you encounter down the stretch against a team like the Warriors, against a team like the Heat, and what they can do to a non-all-NBA type point guard playmaker. Tatum's a scorer, amazing two-way player. I don't want anyone to take anything away from what he did in the series. I, I think that's not, that shouldn't be his job on a championship team. I, I I don't, he's not Luka Doncic. Like he should not have the ball that much in his hands. And Jalen Brown as well. I mean, Jalen Brown should not be a primary playmaker. And when Tatum got hurt, I mean, that, that had to go to him because Brogdon wasn't healthy. And there's only so much you can squeeze out of Derek White, who has had another fantastic um, showing 
but they need someone. Um, and I don't know if you'll let me do a crazy trade idea. We should probably discuss more before I go off the rails about it. But well, I mean, you've mentioned it do now. I do so it? Yeah, give me, <laughs> do give I do me it? a crazy trade idea. Okay. All right. And this is, this is, listen, this is going to be super, this is going to be dumb. This is stupid, but I, I'm thinking outside the box because you have to think of outside the box and you have to consider the fact that they're going to be facing this terrible situation. They need a playmaker, right? They need someone who fits the timeline, right? And they need someone of equal talent. I mean, you, you don't want to lose that investment because Jalen Brown's a hell of a player, an amazing player. He is a super max player for sure. I can't help but look across the league. You look at, you know, similar contracts and I don't know how this works out, but Trey Young is going to be on a similar contract. Trey Young, a guy that has a lot of questions about his future there in Atlanta. Um, a guy who needs a team that can protect him defensively, something that Celtics have. And a guy who could work seamlessly with a guy like Rob Williams, a guy who could work seamlessly with a wing threat like Jason Tatum. Um, questions about his character, sure, maybe. But I think when you're the Celtics, you have to start exploring what what you could do to maximize Tatum. This isn't about this isn't about breaking up Brown and Tatum because they don't work well together because they have worked well together. But it's about bring it to the next level because I think he's a next level type of player and having that pressure taken off of him and maybe, maybe Trey Young too, maybe Trey Young in the right situation. He gets back to that, that really, that, that shooting form that he had a couple of years ago. I mean, that there may, there's potential there too, but I, I'm, I'm putting that, that out there as an example of something creative that's Celtics need to do. Cause I don't think running it back is the answer when you're not going to have options. You're gonna have no way out. This isn't just all right. Let's just see how it is. It's you are. You're gonna be stuck, and that's that's my crazy idea. Come come for me. Drop drop a comment on how dumb that is. I'm sure, it's dumb, but tell me something better. Tell me something better than just running it back and seeing the same situation year after year because they just they just don't have it. Yeah, I mean, when 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 you were mentioning that, I was almost thinking about something crazier and even like a. <laughs> A move to 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 possibly think about bringing bringing Kyrie back back out to Boston, or something, oh, something oh. like that. I he was, would I never was, come back. He I was would thinking never that. I was back. thinking even crazier than that. But uh, <laughs> that that's an interesting one. I think when you think about what you want to build as just a formula on paper outside of actual players, you think you want a dominant two way wing and. Uh, potentially elite point guard if you if you can drive those two when you're building the team or, or find those two around the league when, when you're building the team you kind of feel like you're, you're in the right mold to, to be building a, a championship level squad so maybe that that could be something that the Celtics should should be looking at a, an elite like elite traditional playmaker playing alongside a great defensive playmaker like Marcus Smart who's capable of uh, of Doing some playmaking himself is capable of scoring, capable of hitting trees, but the defense is the big thing he he brings. There, there's ways to improve this team at at this juncture going into next season. But like you said, before we move on from this, it's the last the last word. Like you keep saying, they are going to be stuck if they go ahead and and, and commit to Jalen Brown and commit to the the Brown Tatum duo winning the Boston Celtics multiple championships over over the next what decade. They're going to be stuck with that, and they're they're going to have little to no wiggle room to 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 get out of that. So Boston, I I've seen it said in a few places. It's time to realize that uh, 
anything can be on the table this year for mm-hmm. for this team in this offseason. Anything should and can and should be on the table for them. And I think you're in the on the right track there. I think an elite point guard is a uh, is the area that they should be looking at. Another yeah. question mark can for I, this team. Right, go, can go I ahead. put a couple numbers there real quick? And I, I think this is this is important. Um, and maybe we can also use this to address the question about coaching because I, I thought the variety of offense was was a symptom of this problem we're talking about. And you just look at the the numbers. I mean, they they have an elite lob threat sitting right in front of them. When Rob Williams is a role man, he's scorching 1.5 points per possession on pick and roll. And that that's I mean, he's a guy that you you saw at times like how dominant he was against the size of the Heat. But the Boston playmakers, they just struggle in the pick and roll. I mean, Marcus Smart, turnover percentage, 25%. One out of every four pick and roll possessions, he's turning the ball over. Jalen Brown, 21%. And Tatum was passable and they just didn't have anyone elite so brogdon was the only guy there so roster construction that's right there but also coaching finding ways to get williams more involved and finding ways to run more than i mean quote unquote their randomness that they love to run which works a lot more in the regular season when you're getting stops and you're getting open shots and in the fast break and you're really just able to take advantage of of a lot of chaos you can create in the in the open court and in the regular season. I, I just think that those two things alone tell me both of these things can be true, that Jalen Brown, that money is better spent on a playmaker, a true playmaker. And unfortunately, Missoula, who's I, I thought has done a great job in the regular season, did not show enough to prove that he should be coaching a team who has immediate championship um, aspirations. I don't think he's a bad coach. So he did great in the regular season, but that doesn't cut it in the playoffs. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think uh, you got to remember the fact that it was Joe Mazzula was kind of put in place almost just uh, as a temp, really. Yeah, that was, that was the original reason that he that he was put in there. It was it was not because they wanted to to get a legit replacement for for Emi Udoka, who had that great year before, and he he struggled in the playoffs. It's been like different issues. People have kind of questioned, looking at that kind of timeouts and different things like that, which I wouldn't read too much into. But Robert Williams is a big one. The he uh he was such a more so much more impactful last season in in the playoffs on both ends and 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 then this year it was mainly just the defensive impact. His defensive impact was obviously still great, but he is uh he can definitely be a two way threat. He can definitely offer a lot more to whatever team he's on uh, as an offensive threat. You just have to try to play to him. Maybe that's the problem with Brogdon going down we didn't get to see enough of what what Williams could do the problem not having that elite playmaking like like you said and then with just just the little things that out of Missoula it was just the, it was he he the 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 light was shining on him and more often than not he did not come up with the right with the right formula the right answer yeah um and totally bailed out too by Derek White in game 6 mm-hmm. um I mean that that ATO as well. That the last play of the game, just just nothing there, nothing there. And, and that's I think a microcosm of the the lack of offensive variety, the the lack of you know just relying completely on the three. But um, but that that's where I stand with the Celtics fan. I, I think that they they had way too much talent to not be in the finals right now, and it's a shame. It's an absolute shame because 
I thought they would have been a fascinating matchup with the Nuggets, but um, but we'll we'll be we'll be talking about that eventually. I, I think that there that would have been such a good such a good chess match. But I mean, just put the odds again against the Heat and see what happens. They've proved yeah, it time and time again. That's the big thing. They keep on they keep on coming up trumps, and I was a big doubter of them, and I've already admitted that I, that I was wrong, and I was ready to write them off after after they weren't able to just close out on Game Six. I thought that they were destined to to go and lose in uh, in Boston, but obviously we don't know the impact of the injury might have had. But still, the, the regardless of the injury, they still went and blew out the the Celtics on their home floor. And you look at like like Brown obviously had as many field goals as turnovers, eight mm. had more turnovers than the entire Heat starting lineup. Yeah, that's that that's the that's that's not great. Obviously great good work out of the heat the heat are just that that sort of team they can throw up uh, so much at you that you you just get you just get confused and you're just not the same you not the same player one final player i want to mention on the Celtics before we get into the the finals is grant williams he was a guy mm-hmm. that was almost a non-factor in the playoffs it felt like he obviously had that unbelievable uh closeout game against the books last year that was his main claim to fame in the playoffs but on the whole he had a really big impact across the entire playoff run last year. And then this year, he was he was barely playing minutes. I think he, he was averaging 10 less minutes than he was last yeah. year. Never really had much impact on, on on any of the games. And it was just it was just a bit strange to see how that went down. Yeah, and I I thought he had some really he did have some really key moments defensively. They they put him against Jimmy Butler, made Jimmy Butler um uncomfortable in the post using his body and he's he's shown it at times even defending Giannis last and he's just a guy that I thought would have had a much bigger role this season but that's what you see when you get a coaching change I don't know what sort of allegiance that Udoka had to to Grant Williams that he he really invested in him he blossomed under him but I don't know what commitment Missoula had to him and it seemed like that was little to none because you saw throughout the the regular season that he'd throw out Hauser over him he, he'd choose to go uh big with their uh with their shooting bigs and i and the reason i'm not even remembering their names right now is because we haven't seen them dusted off this entire playoff series unless it's the, the end of the game but he just was the last option and i, I think it was, it was it was a vicious cycle of him understanding you need to play for contract understanding that he had higher expectations because of last year and i think trying to evolve as a player as well so I think one big thing that he did last year is really evolve more a wing style of play. Like you put the ball on the floor, you could attack a closeout, you could drive baseline and kick it out. Like he did a, li- a lot more than just like you stand in the corner and be PJ Tucker. Like he did a little bit more. And I think maybe that the combined pressure of all that made it harder, but he was a guy that I thought would have a bigger role and didn't. And that's what happens when you don't play him. I mean, you, I, I think there's value to in the regular season, you, you play through growing pains and whether that's a cold streak or whatnot, but Grant Williams is a guy that was not invested in throughout the regular season and was kind of cast aside as soon as he started to make mistakes. And you're not going to be able to just throw him back in the lineup consistently in the playoffs and just like say, Hey, forget about that whole regular season where you played like crap and we pulled you every time you made a mistake and we let the media trounce you and didn't come to your defense. Like I, I, I think he's a goner. Uh, in the off season and hold, I don't know if flourish is the right word, but I think he'll have a big role on another team with his 
defensive versatility and his shooting. I, I think he could have been much better for this team if they gave him a chance. Yeah, yeah, I think I'd, I I definitely agree on that. And final, final word, I'll just say I think it's definitely more likely that we'll see Joe Missoula not not in Boston next year, but Jalen Brown is still there. But I would definitely say I would like to see the Boston Celtics be aggressive in this offseason and, and make a move for Jalen Brown. But let's forget about the offseason for a little while. we still got some time for actual basketball. The finals are only one day away. The Denver Nuggets versus the Miami Heat. We're either going to see the Denver Nuggets and the Kali Okic win their first ever NBA title, or we're going to see Jimmy Butler win his first ring as an NBA player. I'm I'm loving that narrative. I, I, just that that alone makes me excited for these these playoffs because I I I think I'll be happy with uh, with either outcome. Yeah, and and you gotta love the the you know the underdog mentality that both these teams bring because we already know where the Heat come from where those players come from and everything they have to prove as individuals and as a team. And then you think about the Nuggets. Think about where Jokic came from. I mean, yeah, we know him as a, as a MVP, but I mean, this guy had to work his way up from being a second round pick. You look at MPJ, a guy who's been doubted by the whole league that he'd even stay healthy. Same thing with Jamal Murray, a guy who's looked at as a kind of a second rate all-star. Aaron Gordon looked at, like a second-rate all-star shouldn't have even been, um, and I, I think he definitely deserved a chance of being an all-star uh, this year. And he's feel snubbed. I think both these teams have such big chips on their shoulder that this is going to be such an intense matchup. There's going to be no egos involved. Um, didn't even mention my boy Bruce Brown. He he's a guy who plays constantly with a chip on his shoulder. I, I think both these teams are going to play with such intensity like that this isn't a finesse team like you might think you might think like because you watch Jokic oh this is a very finesse team that they're going to face like this hard-nosed heat team like no dude they they have some guys who are willing to to go to war on that team as well and we've already seen the the beef that uh Jokic had with the heat after his run in what was that la- that wasn't last season was that two seasons ago I think that was last we season bumped, was it we bumped Morris in the back yeah that was last yeah, season uh, yeah that was that was yeah. last season then but yeah. th- there's there's bad blood there. There's two two very similar mindsets and and where these teams come from. No nonsense. They're they're coming for it. And I mean, th- this is going to be exciting. I I hate seeing all people just shying away from watching it just because it's not Celtics Lakers. Blah 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 blah. These two teams are really geared up to have a fun fun series. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I mean. Yeah, kind of. We're almost forgetting a little bit about Denver. It's been so long since they swept away the. Uh, <laughs> Seriously. Since they swept away the Lakers, but I mean, this this team is just offensive superiority. I mean, the the offense this team is producing, they can get scoring from anywhere and everywhere. They got Jamal Murray. He is the hottest scorer in basketball right now. I mean, he went from being a twenty point per game scorer to a just under twenty eight point per game scorer in, in the playoffs. And that's he's actually averaging a higher points per game than he did uh, in the bubble when he had some of his superhero games, those two fifty point games. So he is just on an absolute heater now. He is showing that he was able to come back from that injury, not only get back to the same level, but actually improve on that. And the way he's playing at the moment, it's gonna take some amount to cool him cool him off. Maybe 
maybe the little break might might have a bad impact on that. Maybe it'll only just have the positive impact that they get that extra bit of rest. We'll, we'll have to wait and see on that. But I mean, the way that he's playing at this moment is just is is out of this world. I mean, against the Lakers, thirty one points, thirty seven points, thirty seven points, and then twenty five in the closeout on a 50 40 90 averages i mean this guy is is on a serious heater and playing alongside jokic who's just doing anything and everything he is the the best player in basketball right now it, it's just going to be unbelievable to see what way the heat go about trying to cool this cool this offense down yeah and it, just to break down the heat's um formula for success I mean, their two greatest defensive weapons have been the ability to toggle between Switching. Bam's a fantastic switching defender and playing the zone, mucking things up, forcing subpar playmakers to make tough decisions, turn the ball over and getting in passing lanes, being aggressive and just creating a lot of chaos. You're not going to switch against Jokic. That's not happening. And you're definitely not going to play zone against Jokic because that that's, that's just the most fundamental understanding about uh, basketball defense in the zone is you get a guy in the middle and a guy who can make quick decisions and pass the ball out, spray the ball out, suck in the defense, make the right pass. And Jokic is the best passer. In my opinion, he's the best passer in NBA history. And I think a lot, a lot of statistical uh, gurus out there will agree with me, but I that he in the league right now, he's the best passer in the league. He makes quick decisions. He's got the the fastest decision-making out of any passer in the league. And that's just not a guy you're going to play zone against. So, I mean, two major weapons that the Heat have right now defensively are kind of out. Um, and you play straight up, what 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 are your matchups going to be? Who are you putting Butler on? Are you putting Butler on Murray? Are you putting Bam on Jokic, obviously? And that that's going to be the question right there, is, is Bam going to be able to handle Jokic one-on-one? And I think quite obviously the answer is no. And it, this isn't a knock on Bam. I mean, Bam is Bam is like a prototypical, like a, a prototype for switching the NBA and facing teams that go small, and facing a team like the Celtics, where you're not really worried about Rob Williams, but got to be ready to switch up on Jason Tatum, switch up on Brown. But in the low post, there's going to be there's going to be a very very heavy toll that it's going to take on Bam, and Spolstra's going to have to go deep in his roster to to figure out how he wants to defend and just throw guys out there who are willing to take fouls because Jokic is just going to score down there all day long if they don't stop him. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think uh, in Patriot and Con, you're thinking a lot of switching between even Butler and uh, and Bam, switching between Murray Murray and uh, and Jokic. I feel like we could see that in, in, in multiple sets, even though obviously Butler be giving up a hell of a lot of size, but the, the defensive dog that he is, I think you could see, see plays where he's guarding him uh, similar to like when we saw with, with LeBron and uh, in that series against uh, against Denver, obviously it didn't work out too well for the Lakers then, but uh, maybe it can work out a, bit, a little bit better for uh, for the Heat. But it, it's going to be so tough for them. And I mean, like who else are you thinking is going to be able to have that sort of impact? Uh, like outside of Bam, I mean, Kevin Kevin Love Kevin Love could 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 be impor- important here. I mean, and yeah, crazy sure. crazy fact about him: this is fifth time he's made the playoffs, fifth time he's made the finals. <laughs> kind of yeah. kind of a uh, Kind of insane. He's gonna have an impact in in this series. He's gotta have one for for the Miami Heat to to succeed. And oh, outside of that, though, you're kind of like who who else are you thinking? You're 
Who, who, what other players are going to get? Is Giannis Haslam going to get some minutes on that there? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think, I mean, Zeller is always going to be out there. I mean, mm-hmm. Zeller is just, Zeller's a body. Zeller's a guy who's going to, you force Jokic to work and you force him to, you know, use his body, get to the line. And Zeller's not going to have an impact on him besides, you know, just minutes that he's not scoring 20 points in a quarter. But I think one, one thing that, what one wrinkle, um, that they could explore is it, you know, the offensively, can they make Jokic work offensively? That, that's where they have to tilt it. So I think no, nobody's going to really be thinking, how can we stop Jokic? I mean, blah, blah, blah. But I, I think, you know, you know that Jokic is going to score no matter what, you know, if you double him, he's going to get it to the right guy. I think they're just going to have to live a lot with Jokic just kind of getting down low and, you know, you send a double, you dig down, you find the worst shooters and you try to, you try to double from there. And I know, you know, that Jokic is going to figure that out as well, but you really have to to pressure them offensively, you know, to take it to them first. And I'm really, really, really excited to see um, the matchup between their shooters because I, I think they're, they're very similar when you think about it. Like you think about the movement shooters that they got and you got Struess, Vincent, Robinson, they're going to meet their match and MPJ, Murray and KCP. I mean, these, these three, on both teams have been really lighting it up for me on the arc. And a lot of these games, I think are going to come down to how well they can shoot because the nuggets are going to be forced to take the ball out of Jokic's hand. We've seen it time and time again. And sometimes it works. It, it worked. Phoenix got that to work for a game. Minnesota got that to work for one game, but pretty much Jokic has just been like, he will take whatever the defense gives him. If, if you are going to just throw one guy, I don't care if it's Anthony Davis He's going to keep coming. And that, that's the thing that really impressed me about Jokic last series is that uh, Anthony Davis just, like, he treated him like another guy. Didn't care, did not care if he got blocked two times in a quarter, four times in a half. doesn't matter. Like, he's going to keep coming because he knows that eventually that pressure is going to matter. And I think the Heat, if any team is going to be able to double and recover the way that you just have to, when you're going to get a mismatch with Jokic in the paint, like it's going to be the heat. I mean, the heat have just always been so crisp on their rotations and they're one team that can manage it. But I mean, the answer is the long win is Zeller. Sure. Omer Yurts have been just get in there and get some fouls in, protect Bam from getting in foul trouble. That, I mean, that's, that's pretty much it. Yes. I guess maybe the more, more clear answer is make sure I got get Jimmy Butler in Jamal Murray's face and and try and get him to do what he can to to yeah. limit the scoring of Jamal Murray a little bit. That that's kind of a more realistic, uh, simplistic uh, game plan for for the Heat. I think on the offense is going to be interesting for Miami. In my head, judging off what we've seen so far, uh, it feels like Butler is going to have to be be going back to Himmy, Himmy Butler in the in this <laughs> yeah. series for yeah. for. Uh, for Miami to be able to come out on the right side of it. I mean, he's going to have to go back to the, what he did in that, in that book series, averaging 37.6 points per game, just playing insane hero level basketball. And even that might, might not be enough. It, it could end up being like a sort of LeBron level of performance going up against those, those dominant warriors teams where he, he can do do this, that and everything. And it's just, it's just not enough. Not to say this uh, uh that 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 this Nuggets team is as dominant as that Warriors team, but it, it kind of kind of feels like that sort of sort of level, especially with the uh with the offense 
and where this Heat team has come from. But like you keep saying, like you doubt them, doubt them at your peril. It's going to be big for for Duncan Robinson. He, you're, he's the Heat's best shooter, and he had two wide open looks from three. Mm. And when that's your best shooter in a key moment in the playoffs, he's got to be going one or two at least on, on those two shots that he had to close out the game. Yeah. I'm giving and him a pass. <laughs> I, I want to I'll, I'll, I'll let him have the pass because he, he he's still a role guy and he's still someone who's stepped up big from what he was doing in the in the regular season compared to now. But if those moments come around again in the finals, he's got to, He's got to be ready for them. Yeah, and I, I think it will. I think I think if it's not him, you got Struess. If it's not Struess, you got Vince. And I think they've done really good. They've done a really good job to to work in their rotations, whoever's got the hot hand. And it feels too that like there's such a perfect balance between those guys of like knowing their role, but also feeling super confident in whatever they do. I mean, Struess is not scared to put the ball on the floor and get to the basket. And same goes for both Vincent and Robinson, guys who usually would be afraid to do that, afraid to, to make the wrong move, afraid to make the wrong pass. But these guys should feel super empowered to do that. And if they're not, they don't have the hot hand. They're not shooting well. It, they've proven to be versatile enough to keep the Heat's offense going. At least keep the ball moving. Keep trying to get dribble penetration. You know, at least trying to take a shot. And if Duncan Robinson doesn't got it going. You got other guys there. And I, I think the question I have too about these three is the fourth. Is are we going to see Tyler Hero? What do they say? Game three, maybe. Yeah. I think that's enough time to evaluate whether or not you need to add him back. Um, I'm not sure how healthy he'll be just because he's healthy. doesn't necessarily mean that you, it's such a fine balance. Do you reinsert a player who does a lot of different things and can help you a lot? And if anyone's going to reinsert a player, you know, it's going to be, <laughs> it's going to be the heat. Mm-hmm. You see Oladipo go down. You so see hero go down, you insert Caleb Martin and boom, you have the one of the best players in the playoffs right now. Just easy as that. So maybe that this is not the team to worry about with that, but I, I think Hero would bring a lot of um, a lot of benefit to what they want to do offensively. Um, and before we get into that, I, I want to talk about what what the Heat uh, maybe could explore offensively. Um, I did want to go back real quick and talk talk about the Heat's defense. And one thing I'm curious to see if they do because we saw this a little bit against the Lakers. We saw Lakers spend a couple quarters just completely leaving Aaron Gordon alone. And that really started to muck things up for the second unit. And I think the Heat are going to look at that and you're going to have to find some way, somehow, just to let something go. And I think it's going to be that. We'll see how how much Spolster tries to play Aaron Gordon off the floor and how that kind of opens up their, their offense if you're playing um, that defender off the floor because Jimmy Butler, you need him to be himmy, like you said. That's going to be tough if you got Aaron Gordon. I, I I think that Jimmy Butler is able to use his quickness to probably get around Gordon, but I think with the with the style that he wants to play, sometimes grinding the paint, getting the mid post, you're not doing that over Aaron Gordon. He's too strong. He's too big. That's not going to happen. So they need to find a way to play him off the floor, and could be could be just that. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's an interesting thought. One th- one thing that's going to be important with Jimmy Butler in this series. One thing I didn't like that I saw in moments in game, especially in game six, mm-hmm. when it wasn't just that he wasn't hitting the shots or making the shots, he was he started to be hesitant. He started to not look for the ball on plays. He can't go that way. That's that's not 
not going to be acceptable. That's that's just a that's just going to lead to to losses for the Miami Heat. That he just has to shake it off. He has to do what what all the best players do. They they find some way of having an impact, whether that be making shots, getting to the foul line, making plays for others. He's got to always be making an impact. And like people were saying in the in the Lakers uh, series with with the Nuggets, for the most part. Jimmy Butler's got to touch the ball and on, on, on the majority of possessions when he is on the floor. Yeah, but the big difference here is he... So, I mean, I, I don't think they even necessarily have to attack Jokic every time in the pick and roll. Um, I, I think, you know, the ball in his hand, Jimmy Butler, if he's being guarded by Aaron Gordon, I mean, that's going to be... I think they'll really enjoy that. If you get Bam and Jimmy Butler in a Gordon-Jokic action, even though Jokic has been pretty solid in the drop this year, uh, this playoffs... Um, Bam has not had the chance yet to be a lob threat. And who do you have to go through? He had to go through Giannis. He had to go through Brooke. He had to go through uh, Mitchell Robinson. He had to go through uh, Al Horford, Rob Williams. It's just Jokic back there now. It's just Gordon. So, I mean, that's immediately a big plus for for Butler and Bam, that pairing there. But then Bam can attack other people. Bam's going to attack Michael Porter Jr., Bam's going to attack Jamal Murray. Bam's going to, or I'm sorry, uh, Butler is going to attack all those guys. And I, I think he's going to find a lot easier time attacking the paint when you don't have a Rob Williams hovering in the back somewhere. You don't have an Al Horford hovering in the back somewhere. You don't have a Jason Tatum hovering in the back somewhere. Marcus Smart. I mean, all these guys who are such great help defenders and coming in and, and swooping in and taking the ball from you, smacking it away. Derek White. I mean, Derek White is such a, under underrated shot blocker they the Celtics have so many guys that are just going to come out of nowhere um and just take away your drives smack the ball and the Nuggets don't have it Nuggets have size though but but I think Jimmy Butler is not afraid of size Jimmy Butler is going to want to get into contact and I think this is going to be a big game for him to get his confidence back and get back to the line I think he's going to really live at the line with depending on how how aggressive the Nuggets let him get depending on how, if they're really going to be aggressive with him on, on pick and rolls just to take away his drive. But then, then you got Bam. Is, is Bam going to start to take over? So I, he has been solid at best offensively. He's shown moments where it's like, okay, he's, he's starting to get there. Um, but that really started to go away by the end of the series. And it just had to come down to the, the other guys and the shooters on this heat squad. And Bam was just kind of a part of it. He wasn't leading it. But do you think he has an opportunity to kind of flip that around and and really cement his presence on the offensive end against the Nuggets, given the kind of looks that he's going to get? Yeah, I mean, like the opportunity is always there for for Bama to bio. It it's it it often comes down to how much he wants it. Yeah, he's not a, like the the elite big big guy scorer like an like an Embiid or or, or an AD, but he can have the, a, a much bigger impact than he does. And I think this is a a strong moment for him. I think he has to be implored by by Spolstra and the entire Heat team to to harness this moment. He ha- he has he has to step up. He 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 did it when the Heat were playing well, when the Heat were winning games uh, in that in that series against Boston. Bam was a was a huge part of the offense. It's gonna have to be just like that again, except he's not gonna be able to afford to have the. Games where he flails off and and he struggles and and he's not aggressive, like you mentioned. There's there's going to be a, another possible option for him that he they didn't really get to explore in any of the other series consistently. So with that, alongside uh, 
couple of other aspects that could open up other avenues when when you're fearing for that lob threat. So I think he can be, he can have a really big offensive impact on this series, and I think he's going to have to if the if the Heat are are going to are going to cause any any more surprises. Yeah, do do you think you're going to have the the continued magic of Caleb Martin? I I I wouldn't be so sure. I, I, it's as much as good. he kept doing it, it, it's been it's been great to watch, and 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 he's kept on doing. Also, yeah, they have three three games scoring twenty plus against uh against the Celtics. I mean, this is a guy who's had a really big impact, and another guy who's been able to hit threes, but he's also hasn't been afraid to put the ball on the floor, and that's surprised teams at times. He's made a few kind of circus shots. It's it kind of feels like this is a a really key moment for him in his career, and and he and he's in a great vein of form. You always just feel with a guy like him, it's like it's it's gonna have to stop somewhere. And for the Heat, they 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 kind of can't really afford it, especially without a a legit number two scorer. With when you don't know what you're gonna get out of Bam, with with Hero not being there, they they they're gonna need him to 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 remain at this impactful level, even if it's not to the same extent when it's twenty points per game and he's kind of almost looking like the the lead scorer on the team, but. To continue to to make his threes, to continue to be able to have a a really strong scoring impact, they they're gonna they're gonna need that big time. Yeah, and it, the thing is, like, it's it's easy to to say it's just a heater and it's gonna go away eventually. And okay, he's he's not gonna be shooting like the percentage he is now. Like he's shooting 54 percent from three. He's shooting uh still over fifty percent from the field. Um. And I think that when you look at the shots he's getting, it's insane to me that how many shots he's getting at the end of the shot clock. You know, the Bam didn't want to take a shot. Jimmy Butler just running the devils. And Caleb Martin just got to figure out the shot out of nowhere. And I think he had the most amount of, like, jaw-dropping, like, what? Like, how did he score? Like, he mm-hmm. just had so many moments where there was no flow to the offense and they, he bailed them out. I mean, he, he bailed out the Heat as many times, if not more, in this last series than Jimmy Butler did. And a lot of the shots that he's taking, like, there's there's something there. Like, it, he, had, he had a couple plays where he's taken Al Horford off the dribble, getting down low, stopping on a dime, and using footwork to get to a fade. And, like, that that looks like, like, if I didn't watch the league, I didn't know who this guy was, I'd be like, oh, that that's what's that like a one of their best players? Like that that didn't look random, that didn't look lucky. Uh, all these pull up jumpers he's making, and this this is my thing. This is this is getting down into the the dirty details of like what the Heat could do with the amount of drop coverage that they want to run with Jokic. Um, they're really going to be vulnerable to pull up shooting, which they're going to be happy with with Jimmy taking. He's only he's only shooting forty one percent on on pull up uh, mid rangers. Do you want to know what what uh, Caleb Martin is shooting on pull-ups? He's shooting seventy-two percent on mid-range pull-ups. That that's that's Devin Booker-esque, and again, not as big of a sample as Devin Booker. Um, but I mean, they could really use him to be more aggressive here. I don't think you're going to see less. I think you're going to see even more Martin. If if they're going to have success, they're going to not only get in the paint, but they're really going to exploit the middle. They're going to have to exploit, um, you know. Getting, getting to your runners, getting to your floaters. Who's going to be able to, and I think Gabe Vincent, he, he's been a guy who's been fearless getting the paint. Um, 
And that's where that's where I'm curious with with Tyler Hero, because Tyler Hero is a guy who he's he's got great touch in his floaters. He's willing to to snake a pick and roll, get to the middle of the floor, get to his uh, pull up jumper, and they just need to have guys who are willing to consistently shoot that and not care. Because the the Denver Nuggets, and they're they're not going to give up a lot. Their defense has been fantastic, but they they're going to give that shot up, and I think they're really going to pressure. Uh, these shooters to do more than just, you know, just run around and catch and shoot threes because they're they're going to fight through those. They're going to really pressure those shooters well. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It, it, it's it's going to be it's going to be a hell of an interesting battle. And you, do you, have you got anything more to add before before I ask you for for your prediction? Do you have any any final points? Um, really, I think that this has been a fun conversation. It's been academic. It's been interesting. It's been a great thinking exercise for me to think about how the Heat can figure this out. And I don't want to be wrong again, but I'll just give my prediction right now. I mean, you're not stopping Nikola Jokic, and that's what it comes down to. Of all these situations we talked about, he's going to average 38 a game. With the with the with the way that the Heat can defend him, he's going to have one of the best finals um, MVP type performances that we've seen in generation against this heat defense, which is one of the best defenses that in this uh, whole playoffs, but Jokic is that much better than this entire team. He's that much bigger. He's that much more skilled. I think that's, this is nuggets in five. I think I'm going to have to agree with you there. And just to clarify, you say one of the best defenses, they faced the, the best defense in the, in the conference finals. And they look, look, look what happened there. I think the heat will have enough to even, even a, a, enough of a, a Hemi Butler uh, performance to, to, to steal a game. But I just think this Denver team is too strong. They have too much power on offense than they have. Like you said, Jimmy Butler could could stake his claim as the best in the league if he's able to t- take down the uh, Jokic. But at this moment, Nikola Jokic is the best player in basketball. The Miami Heat are not stopping him, and it's going to be a comfortable. They'll, they'll they'll probably drop one, but yeah, five games for Denver. I think is uh is the way it's going to go. But make sure you watch anyway. We're 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 wrong all the time, so maybe maybe back to back to Miami. <laughs> this Heat is bad now. luck, man. <laughs> maybe, maybe back to Miami Heat right now, but. It's still going to be a great series. We're going to see a first ring for a franchise, or we're going to see one of the one of the all time great stories, Jimmy Butler, get his first ring. Yeah, enjoy it. It all begins Thursday, and that is going to do it for today's episode. My thank you to Chris, and thanks to all of you for joining us and listening. Remember, you like what you're hearing. Follow like subscribe we are everywhere on social media at coast to coast nba and most importantly remember to take every shot and love every moment